have to apologize uh, this morning. I'm I'm a little phlegmy. Uh, it's uh, almost like my voice is under construction this morning. Um, and I don't know. I'm not sick. I don't I don't feel ill uh, or, or anything like that. I'm, you know, not running a fever or anything like that. I don't I don't have the Rona. Um, but I, I think what I I think I uh, slept with my mouth open or something. Have you ever done that? And you wake up in the morning and your throat's all scratchy and dry and everything because you, you know, that dry air. Um, in the house with the air conditioning on and all of that. Uh, whenever that happens, I wake up sounding a little like this. And so I apologize if my voice sounds a little strange this morning. I'm feeling fine. No worry. Don't need to be concerned about me. But uh, my voice uh, is just a little funky this morning. It's a little funky this <laughs> morning. Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, State Senator Rob McCauley discusses provisions in their rendering of the Ohio budget bill that have raised some eyebrows and the reconciliation process that will need to happen with the House version. Also this morning, Ohio Treasurer Robert Sprague drops by for a visit on the launch of his re-election campaign. At long last, the Marathon Center set to announce the return of live shows in a resumed performing arts season. Executive Director Heather Clough will join us, and we have more tasty and easy-to-make recipes for your family from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, June 11th, 2021. If you need a reason to celebrate... Uh, let me tell you, today is Corn on the Cob Day. Now, there is a reason to celebrate right there. Corn on the Cob Day. It is King Kamehameha Day, which is a public holiday in Hawaii, honoring the Hawaiian monarch, who is also known as the Napoleon of the Pacific, unified the islands into the Kingdom of Hawaii in 1810. It was a national holiday before Hawaii was granted statehood, and now it is a state holiday. One of the very first things uh, once Hawaii became a state was that the governor and the legislature declared King Kamehameha Day a state holiday. So uh, being celebrated in the Aloha State, a happy King Kamehameha Day to our friends in Hawaii. Also, it is National German Chocolate Cake Day. You can have some German chocolate cake with your corn on the cob. Uh, National Marriage Day today, and, <coughs> excuse me, it is National Making Life Beautiful Day. So, do what you can to make life beautiful today. So, here is the, uh, this is the big viral outrage. Some people will be outraged about this. Some people will applaud but everybody, everybody's going to be talking about this. If you haven't seen it on social media yet, you will because it's going to be all over. Texas Christian University will no longer use the term freshman for students who are in their first year at school. Officials at TCU have decided that it is not gender inclusive. Those students will now be known as first-year students. 
Uh, Junior Matt Gill, who is part of the university's team for implementing the change, tells news reporters in Dallas, where TCU is uh, located in Texas. So Dallas reporters all over this. Junior Matt Gill uh, says, just by speaking more inclusively, we are able to behave more inclusively as well. The more we are able to start referring to people on equal terms, the better off I think we will be in terms of reaching actual progress. However, not all the students are on board. Grad student Maggie McHile, for one, was skeptical, telling reporters there are a lot of words that have the word man or men in them. There's a lot more TCU can do uh, in the name of inclusion than just change the word freshman. TCU is not alone, by the way. Yale, Penn State, and the University of North Carolina have all um, uh, initiated uh, similar changes. Outlawed the word freshman. First-year students. They are not freshmen anymore. I don't know. You know that that is going to generate reaction on social media. What else is going on among the uh, first things you need to know this morning? Americans are traveling again. We're coming up on the weekend. It seems like every weekend is setting a new post-pandemic record for the airlines, and that is good because they lost billions of dollars over the course of the last year. And so it is good to see people flying again. One thing that will change, and we talked about all of the things that are changing on airlines, still have to wear masks, uh, in many cases, they are not yet uh, resuming full uh, food and beverage service on board. Many airlines still easing back into that. And one other thing you will notice is no longer a part of your flight. The in-flight magazines in the seat back pockets of the airliners becoming a thing of the past. American Airlines, the latest to announce that the June issue of its in-flight magazine, American Way, will be its last. First debuted 55 years ago in 1966. Both Delta and Southwest have decided not to bring their in-flight magazines back after they stopped publishing them temporarily during the pandemic. I said, you know what? The heck with it. We're not going to produce them anymore. Not that many travelers will notice Americans Managing Director of Global Brand Marketing, Dana Lawrence, said airlines are ending the magazines in large part because flyers just don't read them anymore. They have so many more options for in-flight entertainment, both what's offered on the plane and what they have on their own devices. And the information like airport maps, in-flight food and drink menus and movie listings that were in the magazines are now available either on the website, the app, or on seatback screens. So no more in-flight magazines. Again, I don't know that uh, any of us will really miss it, but the next time you board a plane, look for the magazine. It's probably not there. Other interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. Am I the only one who thinks this is crazy? It's Friday already. This week has flown by. Uh, It has just flown by. If you're going out tonight, doing a little clubbing, Um, you're less likely now to order hard seltzer than you were before. Is the hard seltzer craze run its course? 
It says here, uh, analysts, I guess they have heart seltzer analysts or you know, analysts of uh, consumer consumption, say that many consumers uh, had yet to become loyal fans of hard seltzer before the pandemic. And now as they're heading back to restaurants and bars, they're not ordering hard seltzer. Pandemic, the pandemic changed life across the globe and uh, they uh, people discovered hard seltzers and became a thing over the past year. But these analysts say they believe the current decline in regular consumers uh, drinking hard seltzer sales are, are down. Uh, they believe it is driven by and correlates to the steady rise of intentions to dine out. They note they expect hard seltzers to increase in sales as the year progresses um, when we get back to more group gatherings, which is a key occasion for the hard seltzer category. So, you know, that's what it says. The uh, hard seltzers are not selling as well, but it's not because it was a fad that has run its course. It's just because we're going out to eat. And I guess we don't order a hard seltzer when we go out to eat. I don't drink them anyway. I never did. So, uh, I don't know what the habits of hard seltzer drinkers are. But apparently, we don't have a hard seltzer with a meal. We are more likely to have it when we're just standing around gabbing with friends. So, okay, whatever. Anyway, just kind of interesting. And uh, one other uh, item here. <clears throat> Again, among the first things you need to know this morning. Uh, we've been talking about the uh, return of the cicadas. We don't have them around our immediate area so much. But if uh, maybe you're visiting someplace where they have the cicadas or... Oh, we have cicadas from time to time. Anyway, uh, the, with the uh, return of Brood X, these billions and billions of cicadas across the East and Midwest and other parts of the country, uh, we've had stories of uh, restaurants turning them into delicacies like chocolate-covered cicadas and, and all of that. Uh, not only do some people, have some people started eating the cicadas, but dogs do as well, and on occasion, they're getting sick because of this. So pet owners take note, especially if you be traveling to a place with this uh, cicada outbreak. Dr. Jerry Klein, chief veterinary officer of the American Kennel Club, points out the thing about cicadas uh, is that they have um, this exoskeleton and shells that are hard for dogs to digest. So... Like anything, if you, or if, not if you, if your dog consumes too many of them, it can wreak havoc on the animal's digestive system. Now, you'll note that cicadas are not toxic. They don't sting. They don't bite. There's nothing toxic inherently to the dog. It's just that the uh, exoskeletons make it hard to it's hard to pass through the digestive system. So if your dog munches on a bunch of them, uh, he could uh, get a, a touch of lethargy, poor appetite, diarrhea, could cause vomiting. If any of that happens, say don't necessarily worry, but you do need to seek veterinary care. Uh, it is rarely a serious issue, but it could be. 
So take note, experts say if you are concerned about your dog consuming cicadas, you should monitor them more closely when they're outside and consider picking up the leftover cicada shells from your property so your dog doesn't get to them first. And if in doubt, call the vet. There you go. Uh, That is actually uh, good news for the uh, summer season when the cicadas come out. Uh, If your (laughs) dog munches them up, as dogs uh, tend to do, oh, this looks like it could be food. Um, You want to make sure that they don't get sick. Uh, but at least they're not uh, they're not toxic, so you don't have to uh, worry about that. Just too many, too much of a good thing is not a good thing in that case. So some of the more interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. This is ONN. I'm Dave James on the Ohio News Network. Ohio had 200,000 Johnson and Johnson coronavirus vaccines that were about to expire. But the company now says U.S. regulators have extended the expiration date by six weeks. A Food and Drug Administration review concluded the shots remain safe and effective for at least four and a half months instead of the originally authorized three months when stored at normal refrigeration levels. A bill introduced this week at the State House would allow Ohioans to refuse to be vaccinated for a wide range of reasons and prevent repercussions from an employer for such a decision. Kevin Landers with Owen and Affiliate WBNS-TV in Columbus reports. The bill is called the Vaccine Choice and Anti-Discrimination Act. It was introduced by Representative Jennifer Gross, a Republican from Westchester. The bill has received national attention after a doctor in Ohio testified the vaccine would magnetize someone which has no basis in fact. Governor DeWine didn't address that comment, but did address the bill. I certainly oppose uh, House Bill 248. Sometimes it's easy to forget where we were or where we would be without these vaccines. From the State House, Kevin Landers. There were some torrential downpours in Ohio yesterday, as well as funnel clouds, although the National Weather Service says they didn't pose a tornado threat. The Wilmington office reports an area west of Mansfield received more than two inches of rain in 25 minutes. I'm Dave James on the Ohio News Network. So earlier this week, the Ohio Senate passed its version of the next state budget. Joining us this morning is State Senator Rob McCauley to talk about some of the provisions which have uh, definitely raised uh, some eyebrows. Uh, First of all, Senator, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. Most notably, uh, what grabbed a lot of people's attention right out of the gate uh, is that the Senate version of the state budget includes a 5% tax cut compared to the much more modest 2% cut in the House version. Are, are you, uh, are, are the chambers trying to outdo each other here? <laughs> well, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I, I think the Senate looks at what our fiscal picture is, and sometimes the closer you get to the end of the fiscal year, which for the state of Ohio is at the end of the, at the, end of the month of June, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes the closer you get, the better revenue estimates you get for the upcoming uh, biennium, and also the better estimates you get for the uh, the surplus that the state may have at the end of the current biennium. And so uh, we looked at that and we said uh, we, we have uh, some more money, some more revenue to really work with. And we decided to return that revenue to Ohioans and doubling the tax cut that the House uh, actually put in place. And that's a total 
of $874 million that's going to be returning to the pockets of Ohioans. One of the uh, criticisms, however, uh, tied to that, that tax cut was that in getting there, uh, the uh, Senate version of the budget bill eliminates uh, all of the uh, funding for, among other things, the rural broadband uh, initiative to uh, bring high-speed Internet access to unserved uh, Ohioans, about a million Ohioans who don't have access to high-speed Internet. If there's anything that the past year has taught us is how critical that is today and will be even more critical uh, in the future, uh, how is that not a priority? Well, it is, it is a priority. In fact, I've worked on that in the past through the passing of Senate Bill 8 and, and worked closely with the passing of House Bill 2 to create the Rural Broadband Expansion Grant Program. Um, one thing that's kind of going unreported is that the state is going to have a tranche of money coming from the federal government through the American Rescue Plan uh, for which broadband is a permissible expense. Um, and it, it's money that's going to be coming in that's going to be very significant um, more than enough for us to make a, a strong and strategic investment in broadband expansion. And the thought there is that, look, um, if, if the state of Ohio uh, is able to get money from the federal government that could be used for broadband, um, then uh, why not use the federal money for broadband instead of state dollars? Is Do your colleagues uh, share that intention? I mean, there's certainly nothing, as you point out, that money, those federal dollars can be used for uh, the expansion of broadband, but don't necessarily have to be. Uh, is there any kind of commitment to make sure that there is funding uh, for that? Because, uh, again, as some have pointed out, uh, rightly so, that m- much of the uh, disparity in terms of broadband Internet access uh, happens in uh, the poorest communities and the poorest part of the state in Appalachia, uh, where the economic benefits would be uh, huge and the economic hardships absent uh, rural broadband uh, in, uh, dollars uh, would, would be devastating in those communities that are already uh, economically depressed. It, that, that's all accurate. Um, it, there, there is a commitment to, to fund broadband going forward through one fashion or another. Let's also remember um, the House did put a number of state dollars into that program. Um, the Senate decided to use uh, decided to focus on potentially using other dollars for that program. Um, this is going to go to conference committee, and the House and the Senate are going to get together and figure out a way forward on that discussion. So. Um, it's going to get funded. I'm confident of that in some fashion going forward. There uh, were uh, also both versions of the uh, budget bill, both in the House and the uh, Senate, uh, addressed education funding, reforms in education ref- uh, funding. What are the key differences uh, in the Senate bill versus the House that will have to be a part of that reconciliation process? Well, uh, one thing that is, uh, a big difference is that the House actually, um, or excuse me, the Senate actually spent more in its education funding plan, which um, you'd think the way that um, some people were criticizing it, that the, the Senate somehow cut the education funding plan. Uh, the truth of the matter is, after the end of the second year of the biennium, education spending will have risen 7.5% over the current uh, education spending in the state of Ohio. Um, and so that's actually in, in uh, the first year of the biennium, uh, 1.1% 1 higher or approximately that than the uh, House plan. And in the second year of the biennium, no, a whole 2% higher 
than the House plan. And so there's more money coming in in the Senate plan uh, than there is in the House plan. But one thing uh, that, that is also occurring is that there is a recognition by the Ohio Senate and its education plan that uh, we have the audacity to trust parents to be able to choose where they send their kids for school. There is an increase in the funding that's available for the educational choice voucher programs. Um, those are programs for students who fit certain income eligibility criteria um, or who are in a poor performing school district who are able to then use those voucher programs to be able to go to a, uh, another school, uh, oftentimes a non-public school that their family chooses that is best for them. You mentioned the next step in this process will be uh, teams from both chambers to get together and hammer out the differences between the uh, House and Senate versions of the uh, budget bill. Uh, Obviously, you're going to look at a number of these uh, changes that we're talking about, a number of these issues that we're talking about, including uh, the uh, tax cuts, uh, which, again, both the uh, House and Senate uh, versions of the bill uh, do include an across-the-board tax cut for Ohioans. But, of course, a lot of people will look at that, and uh, obviously we all love paying less taxes, but there are some who will say after the kind of year that we've been through where um, public entities – Uh, from municipalities all the way up to the federal government who have taken hits in terms of tax uh, revenues. Is this the right time for a significant tax cut? Do we have the the money? Does the state of Ohio have the money uh, to afford a tax cut? Yes, the state of the state of Ohio has the money to afford a tax cut. We actually, if you look at our revenue estimates for this biennium, the amount of money that's come in, we're actually running a surplus that is um, right around a billion dollars, more or less. And so um, we have the money to be able to afford a tax cut. The the good thing is when you look at the state sources of revenue, it includes sales taxes as well as income taxes. Mm -hmm. Um, Our income tax revenues have been just fine. Our sales tax revenues have been great um, given the underlying health of the economy prior to going into the pandemic. And then, of course, some of the stimulus that's come through that has increased spending, um, as I think you were you were alluding to, yes, a little bit in your in going into the commercial uh, prior to to talking to me. So right. um, that spending has resulted in uh, a very large increase in sales tax revenue for the state of Ohio. So, um, on fiscal, as far as fiscal footing is concerned, the state is in great shape. Um, I'm not really too concerned about that. Um, you know, we have to worry. I guess a little bit about some of the economic factors going on right now and how mm-hmm. that's going to affect us. But yeah. as far as our, our, uh, if you took a picture of our financial security right now, the state is in good shape. And what would you expect will be uh, the, uh, the most likely areas uh, of compromise in that reconciliation process? And what do you expect uh, out of that process, which is uh, now where you are, given the fact that the uh, Senate has passed its version, House has passed its version. So, you know, that's the next point in this process. What do you expect from that process moving forward? Well, I, I would say the biggest area of attention during conference committee is more than likely going to be our education funding plan. You have mm-hmm. a, uh, a Speaker of the House and a Senate President who are both very well versed on education funding. They were both very involved in the crafting of the education funding um, in their chamber. In fact, the House's plan was called the Cup Patterson Plan at one point for yeah. Speaker Cup. 
And so it's something that I think is going to generate an awful lot of attention and uh, probably the, the plurality of the time being spent in conference committee, I'm sure will be spent on uh, honing the, the finer points of those plans and, and trying to come up with a compromise between the two. That's where we will uh, focus our attention moving forward. Again, uh, State Senator Rob McCauley with us this morning talking about the uh, Senate's rendering of the Ohio budget bill uh, and the uh, process that will need to happen with the uh, House version to fi- have a, a final uh, plan to present to the governor here in the near future. Uh, Senator, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks. Anytime. As you may know, yesterday, Robert Sprague announced that he is running for a second term as Ohio treasurer. He had a couple of events in the area yesterday, and in between those, he dropped by our studios for a chat on the launch of his re-election campaign. Mr. Sprague, thanks very much for uh, dropping by. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Chris. So, uh, before we get into you know all of this re-election and, and uh, so on, talk a little bit about what this past year has been like. This this pandemic and what we've all been through has really impacted everyone on some level, in some way, shape, or form. What's it been like in the Treasurer's Office? You know, I think that uh, our people and our staff has responded very well. Uh, it's kind of amazing. Our CIO deserves an enormous amount of credit. Aaron Rogers and our deputy treasurer, Marge Cruz, uh, they did a wonderful job of keeping our operations functional. I mean, think about this. We have an $18 billion portfolio that we're yeah. essentially running remotely. Yeah, you can't just send everybody home and say, don't worry about it. Well, no. we got I mean, we had to send everybody home, but it's not don't worry about it. Yeah, it's like, exactly. hey, this has it's, to work. Yeah. And so they came through with flying colors. Um, I think we miss seeing everyone in the office. We miss that interpersonal relationships, but our team did a really good job of following through and didn't miss a beat. So largely uh, business as usual for the, not as usual. Yeah, I think business as usual in the sense that we're able to take care of business. Um, but certainly a very different year than what we had uh, my first year as treasurer. And look, these are the things that happen, whether it's the flood in 07 when you first come into office, like right. I did for, for the auditor's job or, or the coronavirus epidemic. You never know uh, w- what kind of challenges you're going to face. Well, and that actually kind of leads to one of the things that we wanted to talk about is with this announcement, you're going to uh, run for re-election. Talk about where you are now and where you have been since taking office those highlights of what you feel your accomplishments have been sure well, i mean we wanted to do three things when i came became into the treasurer's office we wanted to be trusted stewards of ohio's taxpayer dollars number one number two we want to be bold innovators for the people of the state of ohio and number three i want to be a wise investor in the future of my state so we feel like we've accomplished and demonstrated all three of those elements in terms of trusted stewardship uh we have this great program that you're probably familiar with, Ohio Checkbook. And it's where, as a government transparency website, you can actually log on and see what I spent money on yesterday out mm-hmm. of our department. Uh, but it was costing us a million dollars a year in our budget. And stewardship begins at home. You got to take care of your house first. And so one of the things we did over this last year was work with John Husted and the governor's office to combine the systems that we have for government transparency into a brand new ohiocheckbook.gov that not only now has the expenses, but also the revenues of the state in a brand new, easy to understand graphical format 
Um, and in the process, we're going to save almost a million dollars out of our own budget. So that's one of the things that we've done for stewardship. Looking ahead then, what do you hope to accomplish moving forward? Again, announcing you want another four years, another term after this one. What is there left to do? Well, we've got some unfinished business in our program called Results Ohio. And this fits in with us being a bold innovator for our state. We launched a new financial initiative that essentially allows the nonprofit private sector to try out new ideas at the local level, and the state will only pay for them if they actually work. So the idea here is you start a private pilot project for, uh, to address something like addiction, infant mortality, even water quality up in our part of the state. And uh, we run it through the Results Ohio program. We measure the results. It's all data-driven. There's no place to hide on these things. And we have a third-party evaluator that measures the results. And then the state pays if it produces results and if it works. So it's a phenomenal new financial tool for the General Assembly and the state to stop uh, wasting taxpayer dollars on programs that don't work. With this announcement now that you will be seeking another term, obviously, A lot is going to happen between now and the time your name appears on the ballot. Uh, What is next in the process? Kind of take us through an early timeline. First of all, today we are announcing that my re-election campaign for the treasurer's office. And we're looking forward to going around and talking with people in the state of Ohio again. We worked extremely hard uh, to win the office, um, win the election in the first place uh, when I first ran. Mm -hmm. And it was tough. Yeah. Being from close election. being from Northwest Ohio, we had a primary, which we won decisively and then went on to the general uh, and ended up actually leading the Republican side of the ticket. And I can just tell you that we're more organized, we're more disciplined uh, than we were back then, and we're going to work twice as hard during this next cycle. So we're ready to get back at it, and probably this fall we'll start passing petitions. So very encouraged heading into all of this. And obviously there's going to be plenty more time for campaigning and such before we get to election day and so i'm sure that this is way out there but i'll ask you uh, anyway should you win re-election then of course you would be term limited out in this particular uh in this particular job you've given any thought to what may be next after that i really haven't um i'm gonna do and kind of plan my life around what what doors god opens for me and right now, it looks like I've got a chance to run for re-election. I'm going to try to take care of that and make sure that I do a great job in the office that I'm in, and perhaps I'll earn a chance to run for a higher office. State Treasurer Robert Sprague with us uh, this morning announcing his candidacy for a second term as State Treasurer. Robert, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thanks, Chris, for the time. I really appreciate it. Our conversation yesterday with uh, Ohio Treasurer Robert Sprague on the uh, occasion of his announcement his intention to seek a second term in the treasurer's office. You can learn more at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. Let the campaigning begin. This is really exciting news. At long last, the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts is set to announce the return of live shows in a resumed performing arts season such as it is. That announcement will come later today. And uh, Heather Klo is with us from the Marathon Center. Uh, I know you've got to be really excited about the prospect of once again uh, resuming live indoor performances on the main stage. There have been uh, a few outdoor uh, performances. You've had a few events. But to actually have performances 
on the main stage in the Marathon Center. Uh, boy, it's been a long time coming. Oh, it has been way too long, and we are more than excited. We are just thrilled to have the shows back. <laughs> now, we were talking. We've we've gotten updates over the course of the the past year as to you know how things are progressing toward that. Because for performing arts venues such as the Marathon Center, uh, there are a lot of moving parts in terms of resuming. First of all. You got uh, clearance from the state uh, to uh, resume at limited capacity, but that also meant the limited opportunity to make shows viable again. You also have to deal with, you know, the uh, artists who some are not touring yet um, and their schedules. So there are a lot of moving parts that go into putting this schedule together. Uh, I would imagine it's been a process unlike any that you've ever done before. Yeah, I've been doing this 20 years, and this is the strangest season <laughs> I've ever put together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, most shows are booked at least six months to a year out. Um, some of the bigger shows even further out. I already have stuff on the books for 2023. That's how far out we look. So it, when it actually ended, it came so quickly that, you know, we needed to react much more quickly than we're used to. Right. It felt like um, almost overnight, we're like, oh, we're back at 100% capacity. Uh, but, you know, we're, unfortunately, we're not able to have a show the next night. So right. shows will resume um, mid-September. Um, but in the meantime, we've got some great outdoor stuff, and it gives people the, the summer to, to get back into the groove of being more normal. <laughs> that was, that was going to be one of the uh, questions when we talk about announcing this uh, resumed performing arts season, such as it is. Uh, it will be mid-September when those main stage shows return. Right. Yep. The first indoor show is mid-September. So it's basically one week we have the last outdoor show, and then the next week we have the first indoor show. We just move right in. So I know that uh, the big announcement will be this evening, and everyone is uh, welcome to attend the announcement, correct? Give us all of the details on this. Yeah, so we're having a big party, basically. I'm calling it our reopen house, <laughs> um, and we're doing it in conjunction with um, Rally in the Alley, which the free concert that the Chamber puts on, which is in our parking lot this year. So at 4 o'clock today, we'll have a ribbon cutting with the Chamber ambassadors, and then invite everybody into the atrium where I will do the season announcement. We're going to have screens set up, so all evening you can come in and look at the videos of upcoming shows and buy your tickets. We're going to have free treats. Uh, maybe some free pizzas, ice cream, I hear. Um, I know there's a lot of balloons in the lobby. So you can wander in, wander around, reacquaint yourself with MCPA, enjoy the free music in the uh, in the, par the parking lot with Rally, and just have a great time at MCPA again, indoors and out. So make sure that you are uh, down at the Marathon Center this afternoon at Quitting Time for all of the uh, big news. Now, I know that uh, you're going to keep the wraps on the specifics of the announcement, um, but will this performing arts season, I would imagine it will, uh, look a little bit different than maybe what it has uh, in the past, because as we said, not all artists are back touring again, and it may be a while uh, before certain types of acts will be able to return. Yeah, it will look a little different um, two in two ways. One, I'm just going to say right now, there's not going to be a huge Broadway show this year. Yeah, um, That doesn't mean we're, won't, they won't be back to MCPA, but it's just with the challenges 
Um, you know, they're preferring to go to bigger venues at first as they sort of work out the kinks of what it means to be touring right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other difference is, you know, I'm announcing a season, but I'm going to be adding a few shows because of the quick turnaround. You know, I wasn't able to get all the shows confirmed. Um, so keep your eyes open because we'll make this announcement, but there'll be more shows as well. And then when will uh, tickets begin to go on sale for the shows that will be announced this afternoon? Yep, tickets will go on sale immediately to MCPA donors. Um, if you're not already a donor, you can make a donation at your time of your ticket purchase. So you can do that all at once. And then if uh, whatever tickets are left will go on sale to the general public a week from today. So a week from uh, June 18th on Friday. And again, mid-September will be the uh, the first shows. And just to key in on something you said a little bit earlier, already booking shows into 2023. So for those who were concerned about the health of the Marathon Center moving forward, uh, obviously you're planning on being around for a while. Oh, we sure do. You know, we're emerging from this closure very strong, and we will definitely be here for as many years to come as Finley will have us. <laughs> and and. and on that uh, note, uh, certainly a big shout out to those who continued to support the Marathon Center uh, and uh, recognizing that this is a, a very important part of the community that we want to make sure is still healthy moving forward because there were a lot of folks during the pandemic that actually stepped up to the plate. Absolutely. This community has been so supportive um, on many levels. And just as an example of that, um, our season sponsor for the past five years has been Ohio Logistics. And we went to uh, Chuck Bills from Ohio Logistics last year just to talk about what he might be able to do. And he sponsored the full sponsorship again, even though we had no shows. Wow. So the community understands that it was important to keep us around. And we can't thank everybody enough. Well, it is certainly very exciting, the prospect of having those uh, indoor shows. And just to, again, underscore when the season uh, resumes, uh, based on everything we know now, it will be at full capacity uh, in the uh, Donnell Theater, correct? Absolutely. Right now, we could be at full capacity. So, yeah, (laughs) definitely, unless something goes sideways, which we all hope it doesn't, we will be uh, back Full capacity on September 18th is the actual first date. Okay, so uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed for that, and the full announcement going to be this afternoon during Rally of the Alley uh, downtown to the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. And uh, no chance to uh, maybe get a, a, a preview or an inside scoop on uh, what uh, any of those shows may be? <laughs> I thought you might ask. Um, let's see, I could give you a hint. Um, okay. There's a... There's a, a wonderful pianist who's going to showcase our Bosendorfer coming up. Okay. Um, maybe a little traditional bluegrass. There's, oh. there's some good stuff. And All although right. I said there wasn't going to be any Broadway shows, there's right. going to be some Broadway music on stage. For okay. Sure. All right. So uh, some of what we will be looking forward to hearing more about this afternoon. Again, uh, Heather Klo, Executive Director of the uh, Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. Heather, thanks very much for the update. We look forward to the announcement. Thank you. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. This is not your typical burglar attire. (laughs) A, a, A helpful tip if you're considering a life of crime, 
You want to dress the part. Generally, burglars like to dress uh, kind of uh, low-key in some ways, uh, in, a, in a way that they can't readily be identified, you know? They don't generally like to stand out and call attention to themselves. But that's not always the case. In Stafford County, Virginia, two women are now wanted for allegedly going on a shoplifting spree at several stores while wearing pajamas and animal onesies. <laughs> Both women decided to go on a shoplifting spree at Walmart some time ago and uh, were cap- captured on security uh, footage. They have identified the thieves as 32-year-old Catherine Ibarra, who is wearing a polar bear onesie, and uh, 36-year-old Christy Yura, who was in a gray onesie. Um, Both apparently provided false identification to law enforcement when they were initially confronted uh, about their crime, and uh, then they uh, fled the scene. Anyone with information about their whereabouts is asked to contact the Stafford County Sheriff's Office. (laughs) Wearing a polar bear onesie. Nobody will notice this. It's, It's a little odd. Uh, Let's see. An Alabama man apparently got it in his head to try and figure out how many ways he could get in trouble uh, in the shortest amount of time. So he now stands accused of stealing a vehicle from a fire station, (laughs) announcing his candidacy for public office, flirting with a reporter and admitting to all of his crimes, all within the span of less than 60 seconds. Uh, This is... Uh, there's proof of this in news uh, news video footage shot by a local TV station in Mobile, Alabama. Jeffrey McCants is being escorted out of the police station. He is charged with stealing a marked fire rescue vehicle from a local fire station. He notices the camera is on him and he introduces himself, says that he is running, declares that he is running for mayor of Mobile, Alabama, baby. When asked by a female reporter why he supposedly stole the vehicle, he tells her it was because God told him to. And God helps me do everything, he went on to say. Uh, Mr. McCants can be heard as an officer escorts him to a a police transport vehicle. Quote, I steal everything, man. I can steal your heart, baby. Directed toward the female reporter. Can steal your heart. I don't think that it worked, but how many different ways can I get into trouble in 60 seconds? That'll be hard to beat. Uh, Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, Linda Oswald says her family was driving on uh, State Highway 41 in Idaho on Sunday when she got into an accident with another uh, car Uh, at the time of the crash. Uh, the family's two-and-a-half-year-old border collie was ejected through a window. Tilly disappeared, uh, ran off in the confusion. Ms. Oswald says some witnesses who stopped to help started searching the area for the dog, but no sign of him, even after several hours of searching. The family posted about the missing dog on social media, but no sign of him until this past Tuesday... When Tyler Potter 
noticed one of his sheep herding dogs appeared to have darker fur than usual. He also got suspicious when the dog would not respond to its usual name. He soon realized that the dog was actually Tilly. (laughs) So (laughs) Tilly ran off from the accident and started herding sheep because that's what border collies do. (laughs) Uh, He uh, fortunately was able to uh, corral Tilly and turn him over to the uh, local sheriff's office who was still searching for the dog in the area. Tilly has been reunited with his family and uh, all agree that Tilly most likely was just following his instincts, was drawn to the farm by the opportunity to herd sheep. (laughs) That is an awesome story. That is an awesome story. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, uh, how do you ruin the mood at your wedding? This is how a groom by the name of Taylor Lauren from, well, Taylor is the bride. Um, and I don't, uh, Russell, Russell is uh, his name. She's from Vancouver and she posted video of this. Again, we have video evidence that this actually happened. Taylor Lauren from Vancouver, Canada posted on TikTok a clip from her wedding four years ago which she said was the most important moment of her life. uh, So the video shows her walking down the aisle and Russell dressed in his blue suit, uh, looks down the aisle, smiles at his beautiful beloved bride, his face lighting up as she walked down the aisle. And then in the next moment, he got out his phone from his from his suit jacket. <laughs> That's how you ruin the mood at your wedding. He got out, he checked his phone while his soon-to-be bride was walking down the aisle. Do not do that. I'm surprised she married him. I'm surprised she went through with it. I can't. There you go. Uh, that And again, there is video evidence. It's not just somebody saying this happened. We actually have video evidence of it. That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. It's the WFIN Virtual Car Show. Get them out, shine them up, and upload a pic of your classic, and we'll post it to WFIN.com for everybody to see. In addition, we'll have an online car show calendar so that you know when and where all the area shows are. It's chrome and horsepower on display online. The WFIN Virtual Car Show and Calendar. Thanks to Details Auto Spa, Loritz Chevrolet Cadillac, and 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. It appears that people are getting bolder in their use of swear words, according to a new study. Uh, The British Board of Film Classification has determined that around a third of people are more likely to use strong swear words now than they were five years ago. They polled a thousand adults and found that about 60% uh, saw strong swear words, such as the F word, as just part of everyday life. It's just part of everyday life these days. 
is not so much taboo anymore. They also found that respondents between the ages of 18 to 34 were more likely to swear and more desensitized to the impact of foul language. The study, not surprisingly, found that among people ages 65 and up, 75% say they would not use such strong swear words in the company of others. They also found that parents still want their children sheltered from the use of strong language, uh, including and especially in the media, which is why the British Board of Film Classification, which is sort of the uh, same, the the British counterpart to the uh, Motion Picture Association of America that does the uh, movie ratings in this country, uh, that, you know, uh, they're trying to find out how people felt about language in media, TV, movies, that kind of thing. And to be fair, the British have always had uh, a bit of a more relaxed attitude toward strong language than we have in America. They seem to have looser tongues than we do. But nonetheless, I thought it was interesting that uh, uh, people are uh, more likely uh, to use a third of people uh, more likely to use strong swear words now uh, than they were five years ago. A majority say it's just part of everyday life. For better or worse, that's where we are in society today. And now, once again, to wrap up the week as we traditionally do, my wife Kyra has joined us in the studio with another collection of tasty and easy-to-make recipes for your family from Kyra's Kitchen. Kyra, good morning. Good morning. All right. Uh, we've got a couple of couple of things here that uh, we have done uh, at yes. our uh, uh, our at our house. We've all we tried pretty much all of the yeah. uh, recipes. Almost. Um, but this one is uh, relatively new. You yes. did this one uh, the other day for the first time, yep. and it is really yummy. It is a Parmesan sausage bake. Yes. So three tablespoons of butter. A half a small onion, chopped. Um, a half a pound of ground sausage. Three tablespoons of flour. One and a half cups of milk. Three-fourths cup of Parmesan cheese. Four ounce egg noodles, cooked. Uh, salt and pepper for taste. And then shredded mozzarella cheese for your topping. Okay. Um, so preheat oven to 375 degrees. Spray an 8 by 8 cooking dish with cooking spray. Uh, in a saucepan, melt one tablespoon of butter, add your onion, cook until tender, then add your ground sausage and cook through. Uh, then add two tablespoons of butter and flour, uh, stir until combined, and then stir in your milk. It will be thick. And at that point, I thought when you were making this the other day, yeah. that's when I walked in the kitchen Yeah, uh, as that was thickening, and I was right. like, oh, you're making sausage gravy. Uh, yeah. Sort and of, that's that's yeah. what it kind of yeah. looked like. Yeah, the beginning. Yeah. yeah. So that's yep. kind of what the consistency will be at yeah. that point yes. in the recipe. Okay, go on. Yep. And then add your Parmesan cheese and stir that up. Then add your cooked noodles and place all that in a uh, sprayed 8x8 baking dish. Um, top with your mozzarella cheese, place in the oven, bake for about 25 minutes or until the cheese has has somewhat golden 
brown like spots around yummy. yeah yeah, and yeah around, the, around edges the edges and, and yeah 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 mm-hmm. and then remove from the oven let it rest for about five minutes and then serve it is yummy yeah it's it really really good. is yummy and uh that is uh, very easy yeah and a, a delicious uh dinner to go along with that yep uh you can serve up the cheesy Stuffed garlic butter crescent rolls. Yes. So one eight-ounce can of your refrigerated crescent rolls, uh, your uh, four of your sticks of your um, string cheese, okay. halved, um, and then uh, two tablespoons of butter melted, uh, half a teaspoon of Italian seasoning, and one teaspoon of... Uh, one teaspoon of garlic minced. That's kind of your spread on top of it. Okay. So pre your oven to 375 degrees in a small bowl, combine your melted butter, your Italian seasoning, and your garlic. Then kind of set that aside. Unroll your crescent rolls, separate into triangles, brush with the uh, garlic butter, uh, reserve some to brush on top. Um, then um, assemble your rolls by placing half of the string cheese uh, at the widest end of your crescent roll and roll it like you're rolling a crescent roll. Okay, so seal you're it rolling the cheese into, into the, the crescent, crescent roll. roll. Okay. Yes, yes. Then brush your topping with more of your butter and place on a nonstick uh, cooking sheet and bake for about 10 minutes or until lightly brown and serve warm. That is uh, delicious. So again, both uh, dishes at 375. Yep. Uh, the sausage bake takes about 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. The crescent rolls only Take about 10. 10. So mm-hmm. immediately after you pop the first one into, yep. you start working on the uh, other one, yep. should uh, work out. Yep. And there you've got a great dinner in a half hour. Yep. So there you go. For dessert, we have a jello pie. Yes. So um, two thirds cup of boiling water, one three ounce package of jello strawberry flavor. If you have a f- another favorite, you can use that too. Cherry, lime, lemon, you know, any of your jellos. Uh, one cup ice cold water, one 16 ounce tub of whipped cream, and one ready uh, to go uh, graham cracker crust, nine inch. Okay. Um, if you want, you can make your own. Uh, boil your water as you prepare your other ingredients. Stir together the boiling water, the strawberry jello for about two minutes until complete your jello is completely dissolved right. mm-hmm. then you add your ice cold water to the gelatin mixture and stir until slightly thickened then whisk in two cups of whipped cream until well blended refrigerate the pie for about 30 minutes uh, smooth out into a prepared pie shell refrigerate for four hours or for overnight and before you serve okay just simple as that easy so the one thing in there i mean you're boiling the water and then you're pouring in ice cold water yeah. so you gotta be careful with that don't you i mean yeah. that's uh, i mean when when you're boiling water and you uh, you're adding the strawberry mixture it's going to cool down a little bit and okay. then adding your cold water it's not i mean so, yeah you're taking it off the stove at that point right yes okay yes. so i just i, I thought so yeah. i just want to make sure yeah taking you know, it off the stove i'm an idiot yeah i just want to make sure <laughs> hey so there you go uh some by the way i saw this on the uh, newswire it's kind of a bonus recipe we're talking about oh. desserts um and this um we've got to try this okay you know swiss rolls right yes okay uh, Deb- or little Debbie Swiss rolls. Well, yeah, like the Swiss yeah, rolls, yeah. or I guess ho hos yeah, are kind of the yeah, same thing. Correct. Yes. Well, apparently on TikTok there is a new spin on the old dessert. They call it Oreo sushi. Have okay. you seen this? Mm-mm. Oreo sushi. Oreo sushi. And okay. here's how it works. And uh, apparently 
uh, dozens of TikTok users have shared videos of themselves turning the Oreo cookies into tube-shaped cakes, look a little bit like Swiss rolls or like sushi. Okay. 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 Yeah. And uh, the hashtag Oreo, uh, Oreo sushi has over 10.3 million views. Here's how you make it. You first separate the cream from the cookies. Okay. Okay. Yep. So you separate the cream and uh, put that aside in like a bowl or something. Right. Then you take the cookies, the actual, right. you know, Right. Uh, cookies. You crush those okay. and mix together with three tablespoons of condensed milk so okay. that yep. they will stick together. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So then uh, you flatten that mixture. Okay. Right. You add one tablespoon of condensed milk to the separated cream. Okay. And mix all of that together. That's and kind then of the frosting. Right. And then uh, spread that mm-hmm. evenly. Over the crushed cookie layer. Okay. Then you roll, roll it, it up. Yeah. And then you slice it, cut it into pieces, and it looks like sushi. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Okay. Oreo sushi. Hmm. So Interesting. Want, I thought that was uh, really clever. Yeah. And I thought that is a perfect recipe to share. Yeah. There we go. So you've got a little bonus recipe there <laughs> that you can uh, you can try with your kids. The yeah. kids would have yeah. a lot and of fun then, with that. Like what would they do with sushi when they uh, like drizzle the toppings and stuff like that? You could drizzle some chocolate on top of it, oh, or yeah. some caramel, or butterscotch. Yeah, or, really anything. Yeah, you could get. I mean, you could get really fancy with you it get, to make it really get, look like sushi. Yeah, you could get very yeah. creative yes, uh, with that. I'm thinking. I'm thinking maybe uh, cherries uh, yes. on top. Yeah, that would be yep. really good. Or fresh strawberries, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Um, so. So anyway, the uh, Parmesan Parmesan sausage bake, yep. the cheesy stuffed garlic butter crescent rolls, that's a mouthful, <laughs> much easier, it, it takes less time, less, to make time. It, less yeah. time to make it than it takes to tell Say you what it, it is, um, <laughs> and of course the uh, jello pie along with the Oreo sushi, yes. you're welcome. And uh, you can uh, find those recipes posted on our Facebook page, on the WFIN Facebook page right now. It's also linked up at goodmornings.net, so you can go there. And again, if you have a recipe that you would like to share, or if you have a request for a recipe or a meal idea, a theme, or whatever it might happen to be, you can uh, shoot us an email, goodmornings at wfin.com. And we will pass it along. My wife, Kyra, with us this morning from Kyra's Kitchen. Thanks very much, Guy. You're welcome. And that is our podcast for today. A quick programming note. Uh, There will be no podcast on Monday or Tuesday. Wife and I are taking a bit of an extended weekend. So the next Good Mornings Podcast edition will be on Wednesday of next week when we will speak with the new chairman of the Ohio GOP, Robert Paduchik. We'll talk about his priorities and strategies for the Republican Party in the state moving forward. So until Wednesday morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend, and we'll get you back here middle of next week.